to have Mr. Rudy Rucker with us. He's going to do a short reading and then answer some questions for us. So let's give him a big round of applause. Thanks, David. Yeah, this is an interesting place. I've, I've always wanted to go to Brainwash. My son used to have his office. He runs Monkey Brains ISP, and he used to come in here a lot. And you've got to love a bar that has a laundromat in it. This venue, it sort of reminds me, when I was starting out writing, there would be things where we'd get together and, and take turns reading our stuff. And it's a good feeling to get out there and put your stuff out there so other people can hear it. What I'm going to read today, um, this is not exactly science fiction. It's a book I wrote in 1983. It's called All the Visions. I use a lot of material from this book in my science fiction novels. I write a kind of science fiction that I call transreal, and that means I like to write science fiction that's based on my, on my life. So uh, the way I wrote this book, I had a 85 foot long roll of paper and I ran it into my Selectric typewriter and I wrote for two weeks. And uh, the problem I was thinking about while I was writing it was the problem about the fact that I have to die. And so uh, I'll just read the final rant, which is, uh, it should take about 15 minutes and then we'll do a little Q&A. So what's the point? I mean, it ought to add up to something, shouldn't it? A guy telling his life story at length, but it doesn't really to come to anything. Well, I guess I would have been glad to read it, glad to see the footprints in the sands of time. Yes, glad to know there was once someone vaguely like me, and will be again, no doubt. We are a hive, us humans. No individual death really matters. Like when we were at the beach last year, and Conrad Jr. caught a lot of crabs, Crabs are so stupid that all you do is lower a fish head or a chicken neck down in the water and the crab grabs it and won't let go and you pull up the string and net him and put him in a bucket with the other crabs you caught unless you haven't caught any crabs yet in which case the bucket is empty and we cook them for supper when we cook them for supper they screamed when I threw them into the boiling water but screamed so high that it was hard to hear but not quite so high a scream as lobsters do. We cooked the crabs for supper, and poor Conrad started crying, because you understand, these crabs and him had been out on the dock for several hours, doing a number together, biped catching crustacean, and now the poor crabs were dead. But the consoling factor was that, after all, there are still a whole lot more crabs in the ocean. The race of crab not one whit diminished by these individual deaths, no man is an island, if you think of it the right way. No man is an island means that, in fact, an individual death doesn't matter. It's the whole thing, the gestalt that matters. So that, as old Bill Burroughs suggests, our best way for space colonization would be to send out probes full of bacteria or viruses just so they have that buddy-buddy double strand of DNA, ribonucleic acid, the genes, if you think about it, the genes are sitting down deep in us. We are, in fact, big space probes for the genes. We are meat robots that the genes build in order to reproduce themselves. The other form of immortality being, yeah, software backups. But the final is the realization that even these stabs at immortality are relative. Try like 10 to the 30th years from now, man, when most of the protons have broken down, or 10 to the 100th years away, 
And really, if you think about it, what the fuck difference would it make if the world lasted forever? And would it even matter if you yourself didn't have to die? Oh, it would get too old. But still, something in one's soul does kind of leap up at the thought of immortality. But it's a con. We have to learn not to fall for it, not to get sucked in. Because mortality is an essential part of the human condition. Like in Gravity's Rainbow, Pynchon writes about the angels looking down, all unaware of the dark beauty of the death sentence we labor under. The dark beauty, take me now, Jesus. Well, give me 35 more years. I want to be 72 when I croak. Six feet, a year of six-year months. Let's finally get it right, out with the calculator I bought to teach calculus with. A year is 72, then 37 is the 5th of July, though. Today is the 8th, close enough, up here in real time, real time, real time. It's not real for you anymore, my time, or for me. It's ripped back from me by the current, the flow. I'm going to die, oh, so what? Who cares? It'll be a relief for sure, for sure. Though there's no rush, is there? But still, as I thought once, death is, death is the only thing that makes life bearable. I mean, how awful it would be to stand forever on a cloud with a stiff white heart on, strumming it, listening to hymns, nasty God walking past to piss on the floor, a chance of a peek up the blue sky folds of Mary's skirt to her silken thighs more whiter than a harp of gold. Strum it, Jesus. There must be some way out of here. I'm a desperate man, but why bother to be desperate? Why do anything when you can groove the grooving gets so boring. Well, not boring, really. It's the hangovers and the stone-over dissociation that's hard to take year after year. And do your folks say you are a stranger? Do your friends think you be too weird? It's hard to learn to live with so much danger, baby. Year after year after year after year. Psycho rant, stiff-legged, dead pig, axe across the stage making everyone feel better that they aren't up there, scraping it right down to the ride. What's the point? What's the fucking point, man? Why are you alive? Why is there something instead of nothing? What's the answer? The answer, says Wittgenstein, is experienced as the vanishing of the questions. Right. I can dig it. But hey, the questions come back, don't they? You have to come down and make some money, baby. The questions come back later, you get the answer, fine, you fall asleep, you lose it, lose it totally, gag me with a chainsaw, baby, lose it totally, and then start scratching your head, showering lice eggs across the schizo scenario, and wondering why be working so hard just to get a stiff dick soft, get a stomach full, horrible animal functions, the way that if you really, really have to take a shit, you can't think of anything else, just kind of crab scuttle around, do the limbo under the pay toilet door. Find a guy already in there. Flub gub a geep. Go on outside and lay your load upon the road when toilets weren't invented. All this hassle to keep the system at maintenance level. Putting bug spray on yourself. All the work to keep your hair oiled and your butt clean and your fillings in, your socks up, your wounds disinfected and bandaged, your eyesight corrected your hearing amplified, your behavior modified, reformed, alcoholic, radio evangelist, Republican congressman, yes, your fingers damped, your itch scratched, and the piece of food picked out between those two dancey molars, 
The brain amused with TV, paper, book, magazines, drugs, cigarette, booze, coffee, Frisco speedball organ music piped in from the catacombs of Foth. The frisson, my dear. Give us this day our daily rush on the nod as thou art in heaven. In heaven. Oh man, we are in heaven for sure, for sure. Or maybe it'd be better to be in hell and limp instead of forever in heaven with your tremendous aching stiff golden erection, you guys, our glowing gold lovely halo, you gals, with God's horrible bunion feet the size of mountains, and you're in fact standing on them, though you don't realize it, just singing and feeling the better for it, soothing the itch, the flaw, the egg, the lurking scream, the origin of the species, the way the Brits are supposed to say D instead of R, the origins of the species, the gadate pyramids. Those guys thought they had something going, one would imagine. Those Egyptians mounding up those rocks and sand, chariots of the gods, gnaw the power of the weak. What man can do, Izzy Tuskman used to yell at me, what man can do is uh, turn other men on, like, take this, my body, which is given for you. Do you think I'll go to hell for writing that? Oh, what's the point? Can't somebody tell me, please? Not that I'd listen. I've got it all figured out, I tell you. I know the answer. And it's sometimes I feel so happy. Sometimes I feel so blue. I mean, surf it, bro. Hang ten, ho dad. Slide in and out of the reckless wash of snit-snit bubbles, each a galaxy in itself. And what can we ever know of the fish who swim below? Just be there. Why, why, just do this, do that. As a good, bad attitude, attitude, keep in mind that enough people believe anything is probably wrong, eternally subject to revision. The idea in history, though each time you figure it out, you still have to go to sleep and again wake up and again start over. A day is such a very long time. Why would anyone want to live forever? Throb, the muse sitting on his face and throb, he's up again out of bed, around the bend again, over and over, until, if you're lucky as John Lennon, some mushroom from West Yak shit blows you down. <laughs> or if you're lucky as Aldous Huxley, your wife shoots you up with acid. Meanwhile, JFK is dying on TV in the nurse's room, and your old lady is like shooting you up every time your stroke twitch, big wise, forever talking mouth tries to move. Uh, uh, uh. Yes, dear, take another hit of chemicals and fucking die, man, and shut up. Into the light now, darling. Into the light. Go now. Go peacefully into the light. Good stuff. Man, that was good. Thanks for showing us the way. That's like the distant light we've got to head towards, which is in the story, too. Good. Okay, real simple questions. First one. Why science fiction? Why trans real? Uh... Did you choose that as your genre to be an artist in, or did it choose you? Well, I, I realized fairly early that I did want to be a writer. I, I really I really admired the beatniks in high school. I mean, Jack Kerouac, William Burroughs, Allen Ginsberg, they were my main men. And then uh, I thought, well, how can I write? What can I write about? The thing is, I also really liked science fiction. and. Uh, Somehow I had a feeling, I felt it would be easier for me to, to get somewhere writing science fiction. The idea of writing a straight literary novel 
it just seemed to me there were so many of those around there, and I mean, why try to do that? It's been done so much. So I thought science fiction, I like that I can have something cool happening in the story, some kind of gimmick. And so I ended up sort of combining my interests of being a beatnik writer, but also writing science fiction. And that's where transrealism comes in. Because uh, if you dig transrealism, the idea behind it, I wrote a, I wrote a thing called the Transrealist Manifesto uh, quite a long time ago, around 1982. You can find it online pretty easily. And my idea was to take, write about my ordinary life, but write about it as if it were science fiction. And so, kind of amp things up. Instead of wishing somebody would understand you, you talk about having telepathy with them. Or instead of being nostalgic for your childhood, you have a time machine that takes you there. Instead of uh, feeling like you're different from people, you're actually some hideous mutant, you know? And so, uh, it's a way of sort of bringing these things out and then, uh, so you can have some fun with that. Yeah, that's, a, that's exactly the way we think of it, is literalizing the figurative. Yes. So you've kind of answered your, my question already, but how did you then find your voice in science fiction? Were there science fiction writers that were like the beats for you that were inspiring, or did you just kind of blaze your own trail? 